Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of the Talking About podcast. I am Sean Kennedy. Uh, good week for the Sixers so far. They had their fifth straight win last night over the Detroit Pistons. But uh, we're not going to talk about the Pistons game too much on this episode. We're going to talk about the Chicago Bulls. Uh, the Sixers had a 103-98 win over the Bulls in Philadelphia on Wednesday night, and they played them again Saturday night in Chicago. So two games in four days, I thought it'd be a good time to get some Bulls talk in, and uh, I thought there'd be no better person to have on than my former editor at FanRag Sports, Jason Pat. He is a contributor for Bloggable, our SB Nation uh, sister site, and also a contributor for Forbes. He's the co-host of the Cash Considerations podcast and an editor for Clutch Points. So excited to uh, talk to him. It's been been a bit, but I, um, I really want some good Sixers Bulls talk today. And Jason's the perfect guy. So Jason, thanks for jumping on. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Thanks. Excited to connect again. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a lot has changed since our fan rag sports days, but uh, the media <laughs> environment has shifted a bit. <laughs> yeah. Sky Point, RIP, yes, sports. <laughs> exactly. Uh, good times there, but uh, the, the media environment waits for no man and moves on relentlessly. That's so right. <laughs> here, here we are doing doing a podcast. Um, so yeah, uh, before we dive into Wednesday night's game and, and talk about uh, Saturday's game, just wanted to kind of get your general feel the pulse of bulls nation now um i mean obviously very positive start to the season with them being six and two and they they were atop the east before their loss to the sixers on wednesday um yeah before we talk about this season though i wanted to kind of dial it back to to the end of last season and the off season um so yeah they made the the nick vucevic trade at the trade deadline last year uh vuce is a you know all-star in the league a guy that sixers fans know a fair bit from his being drafted by by the Sixers and many fans still regret that uh he, Doug Collins decided to put him in the rookie doghouse and he he didn't get his chance to spread his wings here in Philadelphia and things might have gone a little bit differently but um yeah w- but Chicago's end of the season still didn't like pan out quite how you would have hoped they didn't even make the play in game they finished 11th in the east how how disappointing was the end of the season considering I, I imagine you made the boost trade and you have to think like, Oh, they're kind of in a win now mode. Like let's, let's make a push to make the playoffs. So how, how disappointing was that 11th place finish? Yeah. Like right after the trade happened, they had like, I think they had a West coast road trip and Zach Levine hurt his, I think he hurt his ankle like right before the deadline. And he kind of played through it right at the start of the, right after the trade. Uh, and it just did not go well. And that just kind of was, jumping off one where the it just didn't go down well down the stretch there it obviously was disappointing to make that trade to give up two first round picks when L. Carter Jr. in this trade you you're like you said win now mode let's go make the plan but I, I think a lot of it was was Zach's health problems because he was so good the first half of the year they finally got him this all-star to help him 
And then he has the ankle thing. And then he misses, I can't remember how many games he actually missed to COVID, but I think it was double digits. So like basically he was not they Zach and Vooch got like no time together last season. So like they weren't on the court court much when they were at the start after right after the trade happened. Like I said, Zach was really struggling. They had a tough West Coast trip. They did not go that just did not go well. And just kind of they just really like I said, they finished 11th. They just really didn't weren't able to build much momentum there going into the playoffs. I think the last, I think week or two, I think in the last week uh, didn't really matter. It was the Wizards and the Wizards and Pacers. I think they were battling, were able to win just enough games. Like they were, they were still pretty close. And like uh, the defense looked a little better down the stretch. So that was at least nice to see. And that's kind of carried over now. Obviously, they made some big uh, lineup changes, but yeah, it was certainly disappointing. But I mean, the Bulls have been just a disappoint, a general disappointment for the last four or five years. So yeah, you make that trade, you don't, you you, you fit, still finish out of the playoffs. Definitely a bummer, but. Uh, Obviously, now things are a bit more uh, optimistic now after the, the big offseason. Yeah, so let's let's talk about that offseason. You bring in DeMar DeRozan and Lonzo Ball in separate sign-in trades. You obviously still have Zach Levine and Nick Busevich on the roster. And you also sign Alex Caruso as a free agent from the Lakers. So a lot of positive moves. I, f- I feel like Chicago was one of those kind of buzzy teams as, hey, they're going to improve a lot. Uh, like, watch out as for the bulls as a dark horse in the east and of course the the early results have have been promising um was that just generally like hey this was great everything every move they made everyone was on board with was there was there one move you wish they had also made like that hey this this could have also happened and it kind of let them slip through their fingers what was the overall tenor of the offseason for bulls nation so obviously they got Lonzo right away and uh, maybe a little too fast, uh, depending on this tampering stuff that is still not resolved <laughs> yet. But uh, I mean, the Lonzo, like it had, that had been pointing that way to a long time. They targeted him at the deadline along with Vooch last year. Uh, didn't get him, but then, I mean, just a lot of noise out there and it's, and even before free agency started, it was like, yeah, Lonzo to Chicago is a done deal. And then it's literally reported like a minute into free agency. And that's why there's the tampering thing. But uh, Lonzo has been good, good fit. Uh, he obviously has his flaws, but he's still, uh, his defense has been great. His three point shooting has been great. Uh, his passing is good. His half court offense, his biggest flaw is not good. Too many bad mid range shots. I think he took a couple against the Sixers that were just like, I don't want yeah. to be taking those. Like, Emery can't really make layups either. But I mean, overall, whatever. Four years, 80 million for a 23, 24 year old guard with what he's given has been great. Caruso signing, huge steal. He played, I think, 30 plus minutes against the Sixers. Almost stole that inbounds pass to Seth Curry before Seth Curry hit that dagger. I thought he was, I thought he was going to get a hand on that. But uh, his defense has been awesome, energy stuff. Uh, has been really good. The DeRozan thing was very was a bit more polarizing. Uh, the, some of the sticker shock on that deal in terms of just it was over eighty million dollars. They gave up a first round pick for him as well. They gave up Thad Young in that trade, uh, and I know like some national people really panned panned that move. I, I think Hollinger was really against it. I think he called it like one of the biggest head scratchers of the offseason. I know other smart basketball people were like, "This is a bad move." But obviously, Demar has been just kind of polarizing in his career. Uh, puts up numbers, but like his analytics usually just don't love him that much. His defense at this point, just not really any good, but it's been surprisingly decent so far. They've held up with him. All right. But I mean, so far he's been absolutely incredible. Uh, He was awesome against the Sixers, awesome against the Celtics, awesome against the jazz. I think he's at like 27, 28 points per game. So he's worked out as well as we could hoped. Uh, And then 
other friend you forgot about Sixers legend Tony Bradley. Is actually <laughs> a nice little sign. He's finally yes. got in the rotate finally on the rotation last couple games and he's made an impact just having a huge body. The Bulls are not a big team. Uh so having his big body in there has been has really helped. So if you look and if you're talking about a move that I wish they like could have made, I know a lot of people were hoping that they signed Paul Millsap just for a veteran big man because the Bulls just they don't have much size. Uh I'm not even sure how well Molsep has played at the Nets. I haven't followed him that closely. I don't know he, if he's been any good or not. But yeah, I've seen two of their games, like one against the Sixers, obviously, and then one nationally televised game. And yeah, Millsap kind of looks washed to me. Yeah, but yeah, very well. Could be that's true. a small sample uh, size, but yeah, <laughs> I know, I know. I was hoping for it. A lot of Bulls fans are hoping that he could just be like a backup four or five off the bench. So they have Bradley. They've been playing now. They have like Derrick Jones Jr. playing power forward off the bench. Some Alize Johnson has not been very good. Uh, so like, other, but other than that, like, if, I don't think there's really anything like sizable or I wish I really wish they like would have pulled something off because I mean, they made two huge moves and Crusoe moves uh, to get him from the Lakers was kind of a steal. So it's hard to say, like, other than like making some unrealistic trade for like some other bigger superstar that just wasn't really out there. I mean, they, they identified their top targets and they basically got them. Yeah. I, I can't believe I neglected to mention Tony Bradley, who <laughs> yeah. Joel Embiid said that Oklahoma city should build around if they're smart. So just a b- bad move by Sam Presti, letting them slip through his, their fingers. Uh, but yeah, Brad- Bradley, uh, certainly a fan favorite during his brief tenure here. Um, yeah. And re- regarding the Caruso thing, like it really was a steal. I think that was one of the biggest head scratchers of the off season, like why the Lakers didn't mm-hmm. even reportedly make a competitive offer to retain him. It just, he, it seemed like he, provided exactly what they Austin need Reeves now give him a break <laughs> yes perfect perfect uh, replacement <laughs> yeah they're, 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 and the Lakers are performing swimmingly so <laughs> I, I feel like everything is going just fine in Lakerland right um but yeah let's uh you know jump into the, how, how things have been going during the season then so as I mentioned six and two start uh DeRozan who just had 37 points against the Sixers. He also had 37 against Boston earlier in the week. Um, what I, 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 I we'll talk about the version a little bit later when we talk about the game specifically, but uh, what I'm sure his, his positive play has been a big factor, but what have the, been the biggest factors for in your mind for why Chicago has gotten off to this great start? Uh, big thing has been the defense. A lot of people, the skeptical skeptics coming in this season thought the defense was going to be terrible. Uh, and it has been, I think they're like sixth or seventh right now. I haven't checked after the last game. Uh, the Sixers had their way with them a little bit, especially at least in that first half. They were got a lot of open threes, obviously draining them. Uh, but for the most part, the defense has been pretty good, especially late in games. And, and we saw that they've made these huge comebacks, and they almost did it again against the Sixers, where they've just really been able to kind of really ramp up the pressure, force a lot of turnovers. Uh, Alex Caruso, as we just mentioned him, like a steal, how big of a steal was huge there. Lonzo has been great defensively. I mean, even Tony Bradley off the bench lately, like him and Derek Jones Jr. off the bench have been good. Io DeSumo with rookie has been a nice defensive piece off the bench. And then even like you look at the starting lineup, like Zach obviously doesn't have a good defensive rep. And I think the Sixers took advantage of him a bit early in the game the other night. But I mean, he's been at least fine. Like DeRozan's been fine. Vooch has been fine. I mean, Vooch battled against Embiid. Vooch had a terrible offensive game. A lot of people were complaining. He only had four points. Like they need more than four points out of Vooch. But like, I thought he at least battled against Embiid. I know Embiid's been struggling. He's got the knee thing. But like Vooch obviously has his limitations. He's slow. Uh, just can't move very well. But like I said, he's battling hard. He tries. Uh, he, he's got quick hands too, helping force turnovers. So like 
the, the defense being borderline top five so far has been huge. It's helped them. It's been that's when they start getting stops that helps turn into points on the other end with transition. That's what helped them. What has helped them make some of these big comebacks, uh, even though they haven't been successful in a few of them. Although having to make those big comebacks is a problem in itself. They can't, they can't like be consistently getting down by 15 to 20 points and expect to have this kind of success. But yeah, the defense has been huge. I mean, the off and the offense has like, felt like it's been not great but it's still i think in the top 10 because derozan's been huge zach also like hasn't felt like he's been great and he's got the thumb thing but like he's also still putting up like 25 points per game pretty efficient efficiently uh so yeah basically just like having those just more talent there with derozan and lonzo in there and crusoe and then just the defense has been uh pretty spectacular so far at least especially compared to the expectations well, to be fair to the Bulls defense on Wednesday, when you're going against absolute flamethrowers like Seth Curry and George Niang, yeah. like there's nothing you can do. I mean, right. those are that's just two of the premier Frickin shooters. Maz had a huge game, <laughs> I believe, as well. Just like those guys. I, I was coming in, I'm like, I don't let Embiid go for 50 against the Bulls as long as Seth Curry isn't like just making it rain. And of course, Seth Curry is, yeah. is making it rain against literally everybody. Uh, absolutely insane. Just all those clutch shots he hit were ridiculous. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's it it's been a weird start to the season for the six the Sixers because they're you know playing well they're atop the Eastern Conference but it's not because Embiid has been playing great right. he's yeah. he's been playing poorly by his standards um, and he's had maybe one good offensive game thus far but it's just the supporting cast has been tremendous it's it's been Seth who's been absolutely lights out the entire year just hitting everything he's become their their closer like the last few games like he's the guy they go to with two minutes left and he just gets these mid-range shots up off Iverson cuts and whatever else. And he's just hitting everything um, like Korkmaz. Uh, he missed Thursday night's game. So I don't, I don't know where the stat holds now, but going into Thursday's games, he was third in the league in fourth quarter scoring just for wow. like any, any player. So <laughs> right. like fourth quarter for uh, is a, a real thing. Like just a lot of, a lot of strange stuff going on at the beginning of the season. And it's all, you know, good for the Sixers they've been that's what you need with all the Simmons stuff and Toby being out right now just uh Green obviously out too but uh yeah it's good stuff yeah just just guys stepping up um but uh you mentioned Levine's thumb so I I wanted to ask you about that he has he's a torn ligament in his left hand you see the kind of brace or whatever you want to call it the wrap he's playing with so I guess the plan is he's just playing through that the entire season and then he's going to get surgery in the offseason I mean is there any thought that this is something he might be better like served getting <laughs> taken care of and he could be available for the back end of the season at full strength? Or I don't I don't know what the timetable would be on that. Or yeah, I mean, that has sure to be either. a worry that your best player is playing like one handed kind of. Right. Yeah, for sure. And <laughs> I, yeah, I'm not even sure like if like if if he's just hoping it heals by itself over the course of the year. Like when it first happened, he I think he said like, oh, yeah, like it can't get any worse. But then I feel like someone said it could get worse I, yeah so it's like it's just kind of weird and there are times where you can tell like he just isn't feeling great with it his three-point shooting percentage is down he's had a lot of shots just rim out so and i was talking with some other like bulls people and they thought maybe that has to do with the way he's got his hand on the ball uh the spin he's putting on it i have no idea but uh he's definitely not shooting as well he's not shooting as many threes either he definitely admitted that it's an issue dribbling going to his left there are times where he looks, he still looks great driving the basket. Like against the Celtics, he was driving the basket at will and scoring at will. And, and he had the huge third quarter the other night against the Sixers where he looks fine. And then the fourth quarter, he was a complete disaster. It looked like he didn't know what he was doing. Not, not only that's all the thumb, some of it, which is his 
own bad decision making, which has been one of his bugaboos in the past. His clutch time or crunch time decision making has not always been his strong suit. And we saw that just kind of forcing up some shots, some bad turnovers. But yeah, it seems like he's going to try to play through it. And one of the tough parts is just like this part of the schedule is awful for the Bulls. They have this basically month straight stretch of teams, opponents, uh, all who made the play in or better last season. Like there's just like no break game. So like I think he like really wants to be out there for these games. So like I don't know if like if the, when there is like a maybe a lull, if you will, on the schedule, maybe he will sit a little bit and see if it heals up without playing. I'm not totally sure what the exact like plan is other than right now. It just seems like he's going to try to play through it. And like, maybe there's a point where he's like, I can't do this. Like there's too much pain. It's like making me too ineffective, but like he's still been like decently good. Like he's not, he's not, he hasn't really had any explosions yet, but he's still putting up again, like 25, 26 per game on like 47, 48%. I think he's at shooting wise. And like, again, against the Sixers, like, it was definitely wasn't his best. He was awful on the stretch, but he still, I think, had 27, 26, 27 in that game. So, like, has his moments, clearly laboring at times, but and he's still pretty good. So, it seems like he's just, just kind of <laughs> trying to rip right through this and play. Yeah. Well, as uh, somebody who covers I mean, the team, and Embiid is, yeah, and yeah, no, his star player thing. has yeah. often played through injuries throughout the years. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's definitely makes for some anxious moments. So, for sure. Absolutely. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry from a, a personal standpoint that you, you and the Bulls nation has to go through that. But, uh, uh, the other, the other major injury I wanted to ask you about is uh, Patrick Williams, the second year guy for the Bulls who is now out for the season. Um, how, how big of an impact is that? Because, I, I I know you guys made these key offseason acquisitions, but I still wouldn't classify the Bulls roster as very deep. Um, so I feel like right. yeah. the the domino effect of losing Williams in the starting lineup uh, is kind of more profound than a casual fan or somebody that doesn't watch the Bulls a lot might account for. Yeah, uh, because yeah, because they've been starting Javante Green in place of like he was awesome in the preseason. But that's the preseason, uh, and if you look now, like at the lineup data, obviously small sample size, all those caveats. Like the starting lineup with Green has not been very good so far. He's been a minus, I think, every game in the since Patrick Williams got hurt. So like, and they've gotten off of these sluggish, slowish starts that they've had to make these big comebacks. Uh, so that's obviously something to worry about. And just like the bull, like I mentioned before, the Bulls just aren't a very big team. Patrick Williams isn't a huge guy, but like he's at 6'8", 6'9". He's still the starting power forward, one of their bigger guys on the roster. Because, I mean, even like you look at like their quote-unquote big guys off the bench, Derek Jones Jr. is like 6'5". I know he's athletic and like long arms, but still he's not very big. Like Alizé Johnson is 6'7". Bradley's got legit size, but like he's like the legit only big, like big man off the bench. So definitely there is some of a domino effect there. Like I still think they can they can certainly still survive with this because like as promising as Pat may be like he's still not really any good <laughs> so like uh just, he wasn't like he was still struggling to I think find a niche a niche there and like he missed first like, he missed almost all the training camp in preseason with an ankle injury so like that set him back coming back just like he's super 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 low usage like troublingly low usage uh so still like just trying to str- struggling with like uh just finding his spot on offense getting opportunities, taking advantage of those opportunities. And like defensively, like he, he definitely has his moments, uh, good weak side rim protection, all that stuff, but he wasn't really rebounding much. And he's certainly not like an elite defender at this point. So like they can fill in and like kind of fill in the gaps there without him. But I do think they definitely need to make a move or two at some point, whether it's adding another big man, whether it's adding like another big wing, 
I know like some people were talking about, like, I think James Ennis, he's a former Sixer, right? James yes. Ennis, like I know he's still out there somewhere, like to be a bigger three and D wing guy who can maybe play some small ball for, uh, I know other people were talking like Marvin Bagley is rotting away on the Kings. Derek favors is on a tanking thunder team. So like there are some maybe options they could look into for trades for, or, or signing guys. I mean, they could go sign DeMarcus cousins, but no, I'm just, <laughs> just kidding about that. But I think Bradley has been fine as backup center, but just another, probably a backup for man, just another big wing in there. They could probably use the more size. Cause like I said, they can kind of get past it now. And like with the guys that they have, but especially if there are more injuries at some point, uh, could be a problem. Yes, James Ennis uh, will always have a special place in Sixers fans' hearts. Um, he he he's an elite offensive rebounder. I'll say that for him. Um, I'm not sure what else he can really do at this stage of his career. He's he's one of those three and D archetypes that doesn't quite play good enough uh, defense and not quite a good enough three point shooter. Right, yeah. So, so, but uh, yeah, he he's a guy Sixers fans definitely liked because he, he does play super hard and he always crashed the boards uh, really tenaciously. So, um, yeah, so. Uh, I, I think that's a good recap of, of where the Bulls stand, stood coming to this week. Um, Jason, I'm going to take a quick break now to get a word from our sponsors. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great but together we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian Software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. All right, and we're back. So let's talk about this uh, home and home of sorts between the Sixers and Bulls this week. The Sixers had the game against the Pistons in Detroit Thursday night in between. Uh, Chicago has a couple days off, so it's kind of a true home and home for them, having played in Philly on Wednesday and then being off until the game in Chicago Saturday night. Um, as I mentioned earlier, Sixers won one of three ninety-eight on Wednesday. Uh, I, I we're, we're going to touch on a few things from that. I, I think one of the big things was just simple three point variance. Like the Sixers were 12 of 28 from three, whereas Chicago was just six of 21. Um, it's kind of simplistic, but that is what it often comes down to nowadays <laughs> yeah. in the NBA. Make or miss league, baby. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the, the big, the big guy for, uh, the bulls in that game was DeMar DeRozan who had 37 as, as we mentioned, um, I was very worried about him coming into the game just because Danny Green was out. Um, he, they're kind of left with only Matisse Thybul as a, as a wing defender at this point. With if if Green's not in the lineup and you know Ben Simmons is doing whatever Ben Simmons is doing, uh, so Derozan was definitely a guy I, I had concerns about because I I figured Matisse would spend his on court time against Levine, which 
I, I think he did a very good job of. He has um, historically done as well. I know last year Dival gave Zach some of the most problems he had all year. Yeah. Yep. He he's he's, he's looked <laughs> he's tremendous in those matchups. Yeah. yeah. He's he's yeah. yeah. I mean, he made an all defensive second team playing 20 minutes a game yeah. for a reason. So he's yeah. he's historically great at what he does. Um, and yeah, it certainly looked to be giving Levine some trouble and to his credit, you know, Zach stole at 25 or whatever he had, because he's a, he's a great player and, uh, he just finds a way to get, get it done. But, uh, yeah, DeRozan just like, you, you can throw Korkmaz on him or, uh, I, I know they had like Seth Curry on him, some possessions like that's not going to work. Like <laughs> Kevin Herter absolutely lit up, uh, Curry in the Atlanta postseason series last last year and you know curry was awesome offensively but i i think his defensive liabilities definitely come into play when he has yeah. to go up against these bigger wings and derozan's kind of the archetype of a, like a bigger wing um you you've you know got a firsthand look at his great start to the season um you talked about how analytics haven't been kind but i i, I feel like that was more the Toronto version of DeRozan. I feel like he's kind of evolved his game in San Antonio, and now I'm, I'm not sure how the on, I'm not sure how the on-off stuff was in San Antonio. I'd have to look at that. I just I know that was like the big thing with him was like his on-off numbers are always terrible. He's like Toronto. It was like Lowry in the bench would kill it. DeRozan yeah. would go to the bench and like uh, not and it would obviously it wouldn't look that good for him those numbers. I'd have to look closer at the Spurs stuff, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I just want to get that in there. Sure. Yeah. Um. I just. I feel like he's he, he used to shoot a lot of those like 20 footers, like just inside the three point line. And people would say like, Oh, why don't you just take a step out? I feel yeah. like he still doesn't take a ton of threes, but he takes almost, he's three. been, he's been willing to take yeah. open threes so far this year. And he's hit them at a pretty decent rate. So like, that's been at least nice to see. Right. Yeah. He takes, he takes a few, which is good. And I feel like instead of taking those 20 footers, he's really evolved his game where he drives and he pulls up for those 12 to 15 footers, which are kind of automatic for him. So it's like, yeah, those aren't the, most highly efficient shots in basketball. But if you have a guy that can hit them at a, you know, 55% clip yeah. or whatever, then yeah, that's an efficient shot for him. So I, I just think people haven't given him the credit for evolving his offensive game, maybe as much as they should. And his passing the- has gotten a lot better as well over the last with the Spurs. He had what seven assists per game last year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The point about uh, getting like to his spots better is definitely huge because then he's just able to dribble in and take those like free throw, basically length jumpers and he is just cashing them over and over and over again. Like I said, there'll probably be some regression. He's not going to shoot uh, like this, stay this hot in all these games. But like, I think probably playing next to a guy like Zach, so he doesn't have to always face uh, Matisse Thibault or whatever. The best defender is probably very helpful for him, so he can take advantage of these situations where he can just get to those spots. He's, he doesn't. He rarely turns the ball over. Just a very calming presence because that was. Uh, the game against the Raptors a few weeks ago, I think the Raptors haven't lost since that game, actually, the, where the Bulls almost blew a huge lead. Uh, it was DeRozan who had a couple of just like mid-range shots late and just like calmed them down because everybody else panicking, panicking, like bad turnovers. DeRozan can just give him the ball in the half court and let him ISO. Uh, like I said, he's not probably not going to lose it. And then he just and he's able to get to a spot and get up at least a decent look. I know it hasn't always worked. The last shot against the Knicks that he airballed uh, when they tried to make that comeback. Uh, maybe not the best decision with what he did there, but like for the most part, uh, he has been just, just really, really good. And also free throws. The bulls were one of the worst. I think they were actually, they were the worst at getting to the line last year. Uh, and now they're, I don't, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me. They're definitely I'm at least top half of the league. And I know that like free throw numbers are down across the NBA this year so far with the new rules, 
they have not that's not impacted DeRozan at all. He's still getting the line a ton. Uh, because he's still just, he's just so crafty and he doesn't really do like the cheap stuff. He's just able to get guys with this pump fake and just like yeah. his craftiness without being cheap and doing all the cheap crap that other guys were getting away with. So that so that getting those points at the line has been huge. Uh and yeah, and he's just been as good as advertised. I mean, as good as as good as we could have hoped for. And honestly, his defense hasn't been a complete disaster. I know uh he's had some issues. I think was it late in the Sixers game? I think he got he fell asleep on a back cut for a dunk. I think that was him back there. But like he for the most part, I think when I was looking at like on-off stuff, and again, small sample size, again, caveats early season stuff, like Bulls on court defensive rating so far with him is like is like ridiculously elite. So it's not like he's hurting them, even if he like individually isn't playing like great defense himself. Like he's doing enough, uh, not hurting them, and he's made some decent like play playmaking stuff on defense. So he's been awesome so far. Again, I'm not expecting him to be this good all season, but he's been exactly with the Bulls. It's why they gave him all that money, why they made that trade for him. Well, we, we said the same thing about Joel Embiid's mid-range shooting last year. Like, he can't possibly be this elite at it. And then <laughs> he, and then he just was. <laughs> yeah. So so maybe DeMar DeRozan could do that. Like, these these things do happen. Um, yeah, but yeah, you're right to probably couch it with some some regression. But uh, yeah, his, his pump fake has always been, like, a legitimate... He looks like he's going to shoot. Like, and he probably could shoot it if he wanted to. It's a very old-school pump fake in that way. It's not one of these new... Like, hey, we're just looking for contact kind of moves. Um, so yeah, I'm not surprised that has persisted despite the rule changes. And I, yeah, I imagine it's really helpful for Chicago to have this veteran playmaker come in who he's been in a lot of big games. Like, so you're talking about how he's a calming presence in these crunch time situations. Like, yeah, I, I don't think this November regular season game is going to shake him in a way that yeah. you know a, a younger bull who hasn't been in the playoffs might be affected by it. Like DeMar DeRozan seen some stuff in his, in his time in the league. So um, yeah, I, I feel like this has, has to be like the best case scenario for how Bulls fans have yep. would have imagined when that, when that signing trade was made. 100%. Um, sure. So yeah, yeah the, the other guy uh, I wanted to kind of discuss from that game uh, was Vooch. And you, you talked about how people were upset that he only had four points. Um, but I, I felt that his his playmaking from the top of the key was something that was really beneficial. And I see he's averaging like over four assists a yep. game. He's had a couple near triple doubles. Yep. Uh, it, it seems like that that facilitating from, you know, the top of the circle there is is really a core part of the, the Bulls offense right now. Would you would you say that's the case? Yeah. What was it? Was it the I think it was the Celtics game where he, he again he didn't score much, but he did. I think he had like 11, 9, and nine or something like that. Just uh, big stuff from the middle of the paint. Uh, just finding finding shooters, finding cutters, and all that kind of stuff. And I mean, just I def- he's definitely going to get less like looks than he's used to. Just having Zach and DeRozan there, like those guys are going to take the bulk of the shots. Zach is the, or Booch is the clear third guy. He just needs to hit the shot, the open shots that he does take. He is under 40% from the field so far, and it's like three-point shooting, I think, is down under 30% or like right around there. He needs to get that up, no doubt. Like Even if even if there's nights where he's only getting eight, nine shots, he's got to be making four or five of those instead of two or three. Because I think he was two of seven, I believe, against the Sixers the other night for the four yeah. points. I mean, no, he doesn't get to the line. He's never been a guy who's gotten to the line a lot. So like, he's just got to take advantage of those, those pick-and-pops, the two-man game. He's got to finish better. He's – even going back to the preseason, he's missing a good amount of bunnies around the rim. So like, I don't know if this is just like early season fluke stuff. I hope it's not like something where he's like, injury related or anything. Like he, 
uh, can never always tell with him. Just he's a big lumbering guy, so I can't really tell if he's like moving bad or anything like that. Just, just might just be a case of missing shots early, and you hope that there will be the good, the positive regression there to. I mean, up in the to the mid forties, high forties, and shooting percentage, you can get that three point percentage up because the three point shooting. You mentioned the variance of from this game earlier. The three point shooting has been a problem for the Bulls in terms of at least attempts. Like they've been, they shot poorly against the Sixers. They have been shooting decently in general before them, but they're still, I think they're towards the bottom of the league, maybe even at the very bottom in three point attempts. And part of that is Zach is taking less. Vooch is taking less. Vooch, I think, took five or six a game last year, and I think he's like four right now. Zach is, I think, around six, and he took eight or nine last year. Uh, Lonzo's even down like one or two. So, like, they're not generating enough three-point shots. And Vooch is part of that. He's got a – if he's got an open three-pointer, he should be willing to fire it up and hopefully start setting them. Not having Kobe White in the lineup also hurting the three-point shooting. So, that's going to be something to monitor for the Bulls all season uh, is getting that three-point shooting back. And Vooch – will hopefully play a big part of that. He can still make an impact with the passing. Like I said, I think he's been – a lot of people say he's awful defensively, and it's just easy to because he's just, again, slow. He's an easy guy to pick out if things go poorly on a pick-and-roll play. And it's like, oh, that's Vooch's fault. Not always his fault. I think he's doing – he's battling pretty hard there, as I mentioned before. So mixed bag for him. He's got to get that shooting percentage up, but he hasn't been completely awful. Well, if he's – experiencing shooting struggles maybe you can just blame the wilson ball because yeah, that's what like that's what joel Embiid is doing yeah, yeah, and a lot of other right. people so <laughs> maybe that's all it is um yeah i i, I feel like he's not going to get those those post touches that he used to get in orlando when when the entire offense was yeah. revolving around him but i i still feel like he he has room to improve as far as just like simple shooting regression to the mean in a positive sense where he's a better shooter than he's shown thus far. And uh, I think the the passing growth from him has been, you know, so, something good to say if you're a Bulls fan. And we saw it Wednesday night where he was just hitting those hitting cutters and making nice reads to guys in high low situations. And it looked, it, it looked really smooth and good. I, I feel like that can continue for sure. Um, so you kind of mentioned this earlier, like, you, you feel like there's moves to be made to, to round out the roster down the road for the Chicago. Uh, Cause aside from their, their four big money guys, the, the USCLA guys and, and then Caruso um, who that's their kind of closing lineup, obviously uh, is there any room for optimism about, about anyone else in the, on the roster to kind of like improve to pop. I, I, I forgot to mention Kobe white who's, who's injured. Uh, I'm not sure is, does he have a timetable for, for a return no, it's hopefully this month maybe early december because he had late he tore his labrum he had surgery i think in like april or may so it feels like it's been a while now at this point i think there was four to six months for those torn labrum surgeries so like i think hoping maybe later this month maybe early december uh i really do think he'll be a great fit on this team because i'm mean, last year he's not the the fact that he just won't be like the starting point guard and they he won't have all, all those ball handling duties like is going to be should be just really helpful for him. He should, basically should just have one job. It's come in and chuck as many threes as he can off the bench. Like that's, yeah. that's going to be his job. And I think that's honestly perfect, perfect for him. Like obviously he'll have to, he needs to at least be a better compete defensively add a little more playmaking. But for the most part, I need Kobe white coming in and playing whatever, however much he plays and gets up six, seven, eight, eight, three pointers per game. And I think that could help for sure. Just the three point issues. Um, other, looking at other guys, I mentioned Io Desunmu uh, briefly, the rookie. I'm surprised he's played as much as he has. I'm an Illinois 
Iowa guy. I went to Illinois. I loved watching Iowa play in college, but even then I had questions about him as an NBA guy. The Bulls took him. He dropped at 38. The Bulls took him there. I know some Bulls fans were upset that they didn't take like Sharif Cooper or Jared Butler. Uh, and I'm pretty sure Iowa has been better. Uh, Cooper, I don't think he's in the ro- I don't think he's played for the Hawks yet, or he's not in the rotation. I think Butler's struggled for the Jazz from what I've seen. Iowa's made some impact. He was awesome in the Celtics game. He did not have a great game against the Sixers. He did hit the one three pointer in the fourth quarter. Uh, but he's he's given some juice as some, a defender. Uh, he's hit a few threes. The jump shot is definitely a question mark for him. But if he can show some development off the bench, I think that'll be nice. If you have Caruso, Io, Kobe, that's a nice little guard rotation off the bench. Derrick Jones Jr. has given some nice stuff I mentioned before. Uh, it just says defender, athletic guy. He could also be used as a trade chip, possibly. He's because he's making, I think, nine or ten million. So if they do try to upgrade somewhere, maybe they use Derrick Jones Jr., but they might like what he's giving off the bench. The problem is just, the bench just has such little juice. That's why I think Kobe White could really help them. You, they the lineups that they use, it's basically give the ball to DeMar and pray that he is shooting ridiculous from mid-range, which he has been so far. But like when you have it's basically these lineups with like Caruso, uh DeRozan, like Io, Derek Jones Jr. Tony Bradley, like they've been awesome defensively, but there's just such li- so little juice defensively where they're gonna have nights where they just give you nothing. I think the bench scoring was just a huge and huge favor of the Sixers the other night because Iowa to three, Crusoe did some stuff, but then those other guys just really can't score. So, like, even if they can defend, they need more offensive juice. That's where I think Kobe does come into play there. And uh, anyone else on the roster, like, I don't really think so. Like, Alizé was bad when he played. Troy Brown Jr. seems to be out of the rotation. There's There's been some hope about Troy Brown Jr. just because the lottery guy showed some potential with the Wizards, showed a little bit last year with the Bulls, but uh, he's kind of whatever. It seems like Io's kind of passing the rotation. So I think there's a lot of hope for Io, especially as a hometown guy, show, hoping that he can show more. Yeah, it's it uh, regarding White, it, it does feel like his destiny is a microwave scorer in yeah. like the Jordan Clarkson yes. fully actualized version for, <laughs> for Utah. Like that would be a, a good outcome for him, I feel like. Um, so yeah, hopefully down the road, he does come back healthy and can can kind of fill that role admirably for you guys. Um, yeah, this, the, ironically, the Sixers have, you know, their bench unit has been such a, a, a sore spot for them in recent years, but now it just looks like they're world beaters. Uh, I, Andre Drummond and George Niang have yeah. been like the best minimum plus minus minim- huge. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. Drummond Drummond's plus minus has been better than Embiid. Um, uh, Niang's been, like not only shooting 43% from three, but, you know, playmaking just this fiery guy who's all over the court. Like not, none of this was what fans expected when these guys were signed in the off season. And then uh, guys like Cork Moss and shake have been shooting the ball really well. Cork Moss has been, he played point for them one game, like a few games uh, just his, his game has evolved from what fans might've hoped for. Like everything's been, turning up really well for that second unit and then they've needed it because Tobias is out now and um, Ben obviously hasn't been with the team and Joel is hampered by his injury and the Wilson ball or whatever else he wants to say and uh, Danny Green's hurt now like it, it feels like they, they, they just keep uh, th- throwing guys out there and the guys are stepping up it's a, a real next man up mentality but it's been working for him um, so that's probably a good uh, transition to to Saturday's game where these teams will be back at it. Uh, is, there, is there anything you think Chicago can do differently to approach this game? Or do you think uh, 
probably stick with the same game plan. Hope you hit a few more of those threes and, and that's enough to change the outcome. <laughs> the three point shooting is definitely was out what I was going to go to. You got to get up more than 21 threes. Obviously you hope you make more than six uh, and that, that evens out of it. The Sixers have guys shooting really well. So I don't think the bulls can count on them not shooting well again. I think the bulls holding the Sixers. I'm not sure what the Sixers are getting up in terms of three pointers per game. I think holding them to 28 attempts is that works for me. Like, you hope that they don't make 12 again, but maybe they make 10 or something like that. And then that could be the difference in a, in a close game. Uh, because the Bulls have been very good at defending the three-point line. So I think holding teams to under 33 pointers a game, I think is, is great. That's fine. The Bulls just have to take more themselves and get up a few more themselves. I do think that at the beginning of the game, uh, I believe they had Zach trying to chase Seth Curry around screens and it was going very poorly. They did adjust that, I think, as the game went on. Uh, that's something they definitely – Zach should not be trying to get through screens to guard Seth Curry. He was getting wide-open looks. He got in a rhythm. I know he's been hot all year, but he was able to get into a rhythm early, and that obviously helped him late down the stretch. Uh, just Those three just dagger mid-range jumpers every time it seemed like the Bulls were going to get close. Uh, so, yeah, just they got I, – I, like I said, I'm, I'm fine just like trying to make Joel – beat them i know he's been good passing uh, i think i think i read zach lowe was writing about joel as like a point center in his 10 things article this morning i was reading through but d- with mb struggling like i'm fine with him that him trying to go off you just can't let seth curry shoot whatever 60 percent again even though that's what he's <laughs> shooting this season that's you just what he does Kork, <laughs> yeah, you can't let court it basically was what curry cork and yang i think combined for almost for like 50 or 60 points and they the, the bulls just can't let that happen again and maybe it does i mean those guys are shooting great maybe there'll be some just evening out with the shooting regression or something but uh the bulls just can't let those guys kill them again and they've just got to get up more threes uh, and i think that's the biggest part i mean the bulls won the rebounding battle by a significant amount they uh i mean zach and drozen had big games the bench the bench could be a little better for sure but like besides i think it's just some defensive matchups and stuff like that and getting up more three pointers uh, it was, a, I mean, I know the Sixers kind of dominated for a good chunk of the game, but once it got close, I mean, the Bulls were able to come back. And I guess just don't try not to fall in another huge hole. It's another <laughs> one like they 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 just can't make a habit of it. I said it earlier before, like the, the comebacks are exciting. They're super fun to watch. Like the, the comeback against the Celtics was incredibly satisfying, uh, especially given what happened after all of the Celtics have looked much better the last couple of nights. But you just can't make a habit of going down 18 points like, oh, all right, we're going to turn it on now and come back. I know they did it against the Celtics. They almost did it against the Knicks. They almost did it against the Sixers. More often than not, you're probably not going to do it. And that's and they've had a couple where they've fallen just short. It's just hard to come back like that, especially a lot. So they just need to get off to – it would be nice to see them get off to a better start. I don't think they're going to do like change the lineup. But it is something I think I'm going to look at moving forward with – I mentioned Javante Green in place of Pat, the injured Patrick Williams. I'm curious if they do keep struggling to start these games, if they maybe change something up there. So – so, yeah, we'll see. I, th- I think it should be a close game. Like, if the Bulls are serious about being like a, a contending team here this year, this is a game they got to win. You, you come home, you, you you were competitive kind of in this first game in Philly, and Philly's been playing really well, but they're, they're going to be short. It's going to be no green and no Toby again, right? Yeah, that's the expectation. You might yeah, so, might not have Cork Moss. Cork Moss had to sit oh, out with a wrist injury against okay, the Pistons. Yeah. So we're yeah, so, he's still kind of day to day. So yeah, so I know the Sixers are good. They're playing great. They're a great defensive team. They're sh- got, got guys shooting really well. But you're the Bulls. You're six and two at home. Uh, you want to be serious about being like a legit playoff team this year? You can't lose two games in a row in the same week to the Sixers. Go home. You got to win this game. So it'll be very it'll be fun to watch. I think it'll be close. Bulls just got to make enough plays at the end to win this one. 
Yeah. Curry, Niang, and Cork Moss is just, it's the new big three. There's, I don't, I don't know what you can really do, but yeah, if Cork Moss is out, maybe that's the, the break that you need to uh, be able to take those guys down. Um, yeah. And beats passing has been really good this year. He, he hasn't been scoring the ball well, and he, he, he hasn't looked as athletic and fluid as he has in previous years, but he definitely looks to have leveled up there. He's, he's been making really good cross court passes, get passes to the corner, like one handed stuff. He had this amazing uh, off the dribble behind the back pass to Tyrese Maxey in the corner for a three, one game. That was like, we've never seen that from him. Like where did that come from? Uh, so yeah, that's, that's certainly been a positive for him. So if he can do that and go back to shooting uh, at least, 90% as effective as he was last year and still be as dominant around the rim. Like that's, I don't know what teams can do against that, Yeah, but um, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see if the Sixers have enough horses on Saturday. Like as you just kind of laid out they're they're missing a few guys. I think Cork might be out. He might be back. We'll see. Um, Isaiah Joe is another rotation guy yeah. that is, is out with health and safety protocols. So it's it's really kind of a skeleton crew, and they they were able to get it done against the Pistons Thursday. But you know that's the Pistons and Chicago. Yeah, I mean, is, they've been impressed, and they beat the Blazers without Embiid and these guys. I mean, they've been super impressive. I'm just, yeah, I'm just waiting for Seth Curry to not be shooting sixty percent from the field at this point. <laughs> I mean, I, I think we've all been waiting, but at this yeah. point, maybe he's just the better Curry. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> um, so you mentioned you wouldn't have uh, Zach chasing seth around uh would you just put him on maxi is that the matchup you would yeah i'd probably especially just with the thumb just like and he's obviously got to play defense hard but just try to give him some relaxing i guess on the defensive end it's it, it was it just clearly wasn't they were clearly i think feel like targeting zach trying to get him screen him and stuff like that uh just put him on like the low i mean i guess you have to worry about DeRozan too but Maybe, 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 I, just, maybe, I just don't yeah. I just don't want Zach chasing Seth Curry around. I just feel like that's not gonna work. Uh so you could have Lonzo chase him around. You can have you, Caruso will play big minutes again. Have Caruso chase him around. Uh just not Zach because if there's like one thing he's just like not great at still, so it's like that on ball awareness. And we just we saw it in the beginning of that game. Curry was they they were screening Zach hard. He was and Curry was getting free. And the Bulls just gotta make sure they just can't let that happen. If Curry's getting open shots, he's going to make them. Yes, or even semi-contested shots. He's going to yeah. make them. That's yeah. that's that's he what we've learned. <laughs> yes, yeah. but you definitely don't want to leave them open. Uh, that's for sure. Um, all right. So, if if you had to make a prediction, do you feel like Chicago gets it done on Saturday? I'm going to be a homer and say yes, I do. I'm just feeling good about the Bulls right now. In most, like in recent years, I certainly would not. But uh, since I think that they, the couple getting a couple days off, I think will be nice for them. Getting a little rest. Maybe Zach's thumb will miraculously heal and it'll be totally fine. No, but uh, I think being back at their home court, uh, they will be a homer and they'll be, they'll be able to pull out a close victory in this one. I mean, it's just so tight. The schedule, this is a game. I think they just kind of almost, I don't want to say have to win, but they, they have Brooklyn on Monday, then Dallas, then they go on their West coast trip and they have golden state and then a back-to-back against the Clippers and the Lakers. So like you look at the schedule like, coming up and it's like this one, as good as the Sixers are at seven and two at the top, it's like, a home game against a team missing all these guys, he, the team you just faced too. It's like, you just kind of got to win. So I think hopefully they recognize that, have the play with a sense of urgency from the start and pull, pull one out. All right. So last week I had, a, I was discussing the Hawks because we had a, a Hawks game Saturday night and I said the Hawks would win. Um, and then the Sixers actually, actually went out and played their best game of the season and actually absolutely smacked the Hawks around. So I'll, I'll do the same thing and say that the Bulls will, <laughs> 
we'll win this one and hope for a similar result. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. I just feel like the Sixers can't keep throwing out these, these, these like eight man rotations where five of the guys in the rotation were expected to be uh, like 10 minute a game guys. Yeah. And it just keep knocking these down, these teams down one by one. I mean, I, I feel like they have to have a hiccup at some point and against a bulls team that has had two days off in between uh, these games and just got, just saw the Sixers. So they, they're well acquainted with what the Sixers are trying to do. And they've been able to game plan for them ahead of the second game in four days. Uh, it seems like a tough task, but we'll see. The Sixers have been playing great. Um, you know, oh, we got some fun Ben Simmons news breaking right now. <laughs> do we? What is oh, yeah, the Ben they're, Simmons? They're uh, finding him now for games again. <laughs> oh, wonderful. For, for not cooperating with team physicians on his mental health issues. Oh, <laughs> Sixers fans were too happy about how the team was playing. There had to be the mandatory Ben Simmons update to, to bum everyone out. Um, yeah. on, on that note, can you just, as, <laughs> as a Bulls person, can you just emphatically state for all the delusional Sixers fans that might be listening that a Ben Simmons for Zach Levine deal is never happening? <laughs> never happening. I made, I made the joke before the game the other day because I think Daryl and AK were talking. I was like, no, Daryl, I'm not trading Zach Levine for Ben Simmons. Uh, yeah, I mean, maybe like was it last year? Maybe people were, I think, were talking about like that being maybe that's a possibility. Uh, definitely not now. Zach has taken a leap where he's just really, really good. Simmons has all his issues, even though, like, who was it? I think it was an ESPN did like a up, like it was like Zach Levine and Derek Jones Jr. for Ben Simmons, and it's just like, no, man, like, I know Zach, <laughs> whatever, he's gonna be a free. The, the argument is basically, oh, Zach's gonna be a free agent, like do it before he leaves you don't i mean i guess if he tells you like yeah i'm not re-signing right then sure but there's no evidence that he has any intention of leaving so like, why would you do that trade in any other any other circumstance or there's no circumstance besides that one where you do that trade so it's not happening yeah. <laughs> it's not getting zach levine even if he'd be an, an awesome fit there for this and i've always thought he'd be yeah. great i mean we talked about it last year all the time that we, if the bulls were going to trade zach uh, trading him to the Sixers would be it'd be a really good fit for them, but not happening. Not happening. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I, I I agree. I I've tried to explain this to people, and yet his name still occasionally gets brought up. And <laughs> but that, it's it's bound to happen, I guess. But yeah, uh, last last trade deadline might have been the last five percent chance that such yeah. a deal could go down. But Ben Simmons's value has absolutely tanked since then, and uh, yeah, it's not happening for sure. So. All right. Well, we are in store for a exciting game on Saturday. Hopefully the Sixers have uh, at least Quirk Moss back, at least one, one or two more guys available to them. But uh, yeah, it should, should, should be fun. And Jason, thank you so much for joining me for, for this episode and going going through the ups and downs of the past year of the, the Bulls with us. And uh, people can find you on Twitter at Bulls underscore J, J-A-Y. Um, and as I mentioned, your stuff is available on Bloggable, which is our SB Nation Bulls site, and Forbes, and you co-host the Cash Considerations podcast, and you're an editor at Clutch Points. Um, anything else besides that? That is all. All right. Uh, worthy list of things to plug. So again, thanks thanks for joining me. Glad to, to catch up with you and, and do some good Sixers Bulls talk. And um, for everybody else, uh, I'll be back next week. Uh, have a good weekend.